podcast from Impact 89 FM. WDBM East Lansing. You think the Pistons are playoff bound? And that last play by the Giants totally gave the rest. This MSU team deserves to be in a BCS ball. Still and always will be hockey time. You can't I'm Alex Sharg, and MSU is underwater. I'll tell you about that to kick off the show. And Brian Calloway from Lansing State Journal joining us all this and more. This is the Spartan Sports Wrap. And welcome to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact 89 FM. Actually, I have not mentioned this, but those beats are courtesy of Eric Weinbaum, uh, a sophomore here at Michigan State University from Maryland. So thank you, Eric, for those beats, and you'll be hearing them uh, at the beginning and a little bit later in the show. I'm Alex Sharg, same time, same place, from 7 to 8 p.m. every Monday on Impact 89 FM. To my left today is another special guest of mine, an avid baseball fan straight out of Glenrock, New Jersey, uh, Anthony Serafino, who also goes by Fino. I will be referring to him as Fino throughout the show. Great to have you, Anthony. And how about those Knicks? Come on. I mean, it's always Shard. Great to be here. Uh, how about the Knicks? Let's play some good basketball this year, huh? Let's hope. I mean, they've got a tough series against Boston right now. We'll get to that a little bit later in the show. If it is your first time tuning in to the Spartan Sports Wrap, let me explain to you a little bit how the show works. We start with MSU Sports first. That ranges from basketball to football to baseball. Like I said, MSU is underwater. I'll tell you about that as we commence. Uh, we also get in a, into a little bit of local. That's your Detroit Tigers, Pistons, Red Wings, who are fighting for an eighth place spot in the playoffs. And a little bit of Detroit Lions as the NFL draft is just days away. We also jump to a little bit of national news, and we'll get to that a little bit later in the show. When we get to our goon of the week, it's someone at the sports wrap that Fino and I, to my left, we just think is a little bit goony. So we'll get to that and who that will be at 7.55. We have listeners as far as San Jose State University and Miami, Florida, so we appreciate the domestic support at the Spartan Sports Wrap. Just remember, if you're in your car, if you're going inside, if you are uh, maybe just enjoying the day outside, you want to get outside of your car because of this nice weather finally, you can stream us online, www.impact89fm.org. Again, that's www.impact89fm.org. You can hear that computer sound right there. But, like I said, special guests every week. We've had Clarissa Bell on here, Josh Mansour, the state news football beat writer. Dan Dickerson was just here about a month ago. Last week we had Lloyd Pradell, basketball coach and enthusiast. And we're actually going to be having Brian Calloway, the MSU beat writer for the Lansing State Journal. So he'll be with us at 745. That's right, 745. Set your timer, set your alarms for Brian Calloway as we'll discuss and, and basically dissect this spring game that left of many unanswered questions. Uh, quick little lineup for today's show. At 7.05, we'll talk about the MSU fields being underwater. We'll talk about which sports were affected that by that and why. 7.10, we'll talk about Gary Harris's decision to stay an MSU Spartan. Cheers to that. And then at 7.15, the Big Ten divisions. Who has the easier division and why? Are these divisions good? What does that say for Rutgers and Maryland? 7.20, we'll get into this Detroit Red Wings pressure. Their 22 straight playoff streak on the line. How will that all end up? We'll get our predictions and a little bit of analysis at 7.20. 7.30, the Detroit Tigers, Rick Porcello, man. 9.00. 
Nine runs, nine hits, one inning. What a horrible outing this past Not weekend. Good. We'll discuss the concerns, the Tigers' rotation, this flexibility that the Tigers had to start the year. Is it still there? I don't know. We'll talk about that at 7.30. 7.35 NBA playoffs. Which game are you most interested in? We'll get a what are you watching tonight, courtesy of Fino over here. Uh, Bulls, Nets, Memphis, and L.A. Some great games to watch. Surprises, disappointments, and a whole lot more. 7.40, the NFL draft, like I said, days away. Final predictions before draft day. Who will the Lions ultimately draft? And, of course, someone from New Jersey over here. Who are the Jets going to go with to turn this organization Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> 7.45, up until the end of the hour. Brian Calloway from the Lansing State Journal will be... Talking with us about position battles, some questions with this MSU offense, what highlighted the green and white game this past weekend, and some interesting news about the class of 2014 for MSU. Uh, Brian actually posted about this yesterday, so we'll get to him and a whole lot more. And then, of course, Goon of the Week capping off the end of the show. But first, we always like to start it off with our Chad Ocho Zero segment. That's right. Not Chad Johnson, not Chad Ocho Cinco, but Ocho Zero. Because right now, he has zero contracts for zero NFL teams. And he is consistently getting in the news with Evelyn Lozada fights. For those of you who do not know Evelyn Lozada, his ex-wife, who he domestically abused, led to his release from the Miami Dolphins, now jobless, rumored to be maybe in that hunt for that Andre Johnson's number two slot receiver to go along with him, but nothing coming in full circle. Rex Ryan may be looking at him as a potential receiver addition. Did not ever happen. But as of right now, Chad Johnson still trash-talking his wife, Evelyn Lozada. Uh, he had a little confrontation with a guy, uh, and it went a little bit something like this. What up, Chad? What's up with the suit, man? You looking fresh. I'm always fresh. Always fresh? Don't you pay attention? Oh, I pay attention. Right, well, you know I'm always fresh. So you've been talking to Evelyn lately or what? Who? Evelyn? Who? Oh, exactly. That's my man right there. Who? Evelyn who? Unbelievable. Well, let's just play the end of this to see what else Jay Johnson says. Are you going to go on back into football or what? You know what? That's a good question. That's a good question. I would like to finish off the right way. Okay. But if I don't... I mean, I have my ducks lined up in a row, you know, and I'll be, I'll be all right. You'll be all right. Yeah. That's my man. He's got his ducks lined up in a row. Now, now, don't get me wrong. This this was pretty funny, pretty comical, regardless of what Shea Johnson's went through the last week uh, and, and more. I mean, but I'm trying to figure out what, what, what else does this guy have lined up in a row besides a domestic abuse case charge, an illegal sex tape posted by the FBI, and no NFL contracts, you know. I mean, it's just unbelievable. This guy can't get it right. Uh, you know, one second he's trying to get in the news some way. It's not with the Dolphins. It's not in football. It's not in reality television. And it's not even with Major League Soccer when he gave that a go two years ago. But you know what? I think he needs to get a job. Give this guy a chance. I mean, he can play ball. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, this is no. I mean, this is no easy king. I mean, this is a, a great receiver. This I mean, guy can probably get in there and still play. I mean, without a doubt, he's changing his name back from Ocho Cinco back to Chad Johnson. So is he focused? People are saying he's more focused. His agent's saying he's ready to go. He's ready to play, you know, some good football. This is a guy a couple years ago, he and TJ Huchmanzato were one of the best tandems in the league. Where'd that go? But that also had to do a little bit with the fact that Carson Palmer 
who had some issues of his own, you know. Uh, Carson Palmer, but last time I checked, Carson Palmer's still jobless as well. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Well, before we get into some more discussion at 710 regarding MSU basketball, a quick update about MSU underwater. That's right. I'm not talking about that there was a tsunami or anything like that, not like they do it outside of the United States. <laughs> but, no, there was a huge rainstorm that happened this past weekend, and it affected not only the East Lansing Street's but it affected a lot of the Michigan State University baseball fields. And let me tell you about that. Uh, the Red Cedar River hosted more than five inches of rain over the past two weeks. And this poured onto McLean Baseball Stadium Monday morning, which is underwater currently. Uh, and, and this also affected Old College Field and DeMartin Soccer Stadium. Old College Field is where the Michigan State University softball team plays. And then DeMartin Soccer Stadium, of course, uh, Setia Stadium, of course, where uh, uh, we know where we see our Michigan State Spartan soccer team. But w- what I don't understand, you know, is, look, they, they have to move this game, this, this baseball game against Ball State tomorrow uh, from McLean Baseball Stadium because they can't get it fixed. They're going to move it to downtown Lansing. Now, the only time that we've ever seen Michigan State play in downtown Lansing was April 11th when the Crosstown Showdown and was... And that got canceled. And, and that got canceled. And I mean, is this is this fate? I mean, does does MSU do the do the MSU baseball gods not want MSU? Clearly to play? not. I mean, the state of Michigan has seen more rain than it has in 110 years. It's been the most rainfall we've seen in the state for over a century. Right. And, and Dan I mean, Dickerson, when he was on here a month ago, he was talking about at this time last year, it was 70, 80 degrees and sunny. Yeah. All of the all of the players, Great the Latin American baseball players on the Detroit Tigers, they were enjoying that. They, they they purposely did not expect the weather to be that great when not they got here last year, but it turned out to be nice. It turned out great, and this year, not so much. So hopefully they get some games out on campus because it's a great site. Come on. Great site. So there's a little update about MSU Underwater. I guess that it will be fixed Wednesday as Notre Dame comes to play mm-hmm. and then Purdue this weekend in a series that begins on Friday. But announcement about the weekend home series for baseball and softball will be made later this week. That was courtesy of Matt Charbonneau from the Detroit News, who I'm sure we'll have on here at some point. But like I said, the number to call in during the show, because you're going to want to remember this number, as Fino and I will get into a lot of heated discussions regarding MSU basketball, Big Ten divisions, Red Wings, Tigers, NBA playoffs, and more. 517-432-3893. Again, 517-432-3893. Feel free to send us a tweet also at 89FM Sports Rap. Again, at 89FM Sports Rap if you want to comment about anything Fino and I are discussing during the show. But to kick it off, I mean, man, what great news was it to hear that Gary Harris is coming back? Gary Harris is back. And, you know, this is the best news you got to hear from as an MSU basketball fan. You got to love it as a student, as a fan, as a supporter. Gary Harris comes back. And now Gary Harris suddenly becomes not the question is, is Adrian Payne coming back? Because, you know, Gary's he's their MVP as a freshman. But before we jump to Payne, Gary Harris for a second. I mean, this is where you and I differ. But I thought this guy was no question going to come back. I mean... Without a doubt, I would say that in a normal year. But talent-wise, if you look in the NBA draft, there's no way you could have made that evaluation because this is one of the weakest draft fields we've seen in the NBA in years. That's what the guys and the experts are saying on ESPN, and that's what I'm even concluding myself. Gary Harris would have been a first-round pick. And to shut down millions of dollars, which he could have done, and come back and play for the Spartans is unbelievable. Right. Now, now you say that this draft class is... The weakest. The weakest. But... If you're a team like the Detroit Pistons, who is in between that 5-10 to 10 range, and any team in that 5-10 to 10 range, if you're not in that top three, I mean, look what happened to Nerland's Noel going down. 
If you're not in that top three, this is pretty much a bust for you. Without a doubt. And what scares me about this draft class, and it's you can get into a lot of trouble, is you spoke about Nerlens Noel going down. But guess what? He's still projected to be number one overall. What does that say about your draft class? The number one overall pick projected towards ACL. Right. I, I, mean, but, I mean, but if you're the Pistons, you're not getting talent. You're not getting a game changer. Yeah, yeah. But, but, but here's the thing. I mean, you look at past number ones, and, and you've seen... You know, the Eddie Curry, Tyson, you know, yeah. you, you've seen a bunch of number ones that have had some issues in college uh, that end up being busting the pros. Now, Nerlens Noel, obviously, is a totally different case, but he doesn't conclude the whole draft class. I mean, Marcus Rush, another freshman in Gary Harris's situation, mm-hmm. choosing to stay when he probably would have been a top five pick. Absolutely. I mean, you, you look at the draft class and we can analyze who's going to be a draw, uh, who's going to be a bust and who's not. But when you look at it is for the Pistons, this team can never get it right. I mean, poor Dumars. And I say poor Dumars, pity me, please. But poor guy. He can never get anything right. And this year, is it going to be the same? I mean, I probably think so. Where are the Pistons going to go? And with this draft class, is very weak. Right. Marcus Smart coming back. Yeah. I mean, they just fired Lawrence Frank after a year that was, you know, a little limited Abysmal. due to injury. A little limited due to injury. When they acquired Calderon and Drummond, they were rolling. They, they, they looked like they could have been a team that could have had some damage. They were even... At at one point, they were slated to maybe make that eighth spot. Which is unbelievable. Which is unbelievable. Which is just straight unbelievable. But back to the topic for Gary Harris. I mean, of course, for me, it, with Adrian Payne's, you know, with, with all of his uh, jeopardy, uncertainty. jeopardizing uncertainty, it, I thought this guy was for sure going to come back. But like you were saying, this guy loves being here at Michigan State. He loves being here. And, you know, I, I can't hear enough of the coach coaches saying that they just love him. They love being around him. And this is a guy that his teammates voted, you know, MVP, first time you know a Spartan freshman has gotten these honors since Magic Johnson. So that's significant honors to even get that. Now, I mean, now let's say Gary Harris comes back for you know, and, and with all the honors, he probably could have been drafted. You say yeah. top ten? I I made a conclusion say top ten with the good combine that Gary broke out. The when he gets an open space and he's hot, he doesn't miss. He's net. Five one seven four three two three eight nine three is Gary Harris. Would he have been top ten in your book with this draft class? Do you agree with Fino and I? Do you differ a little bit? We'd love to hear from you. But if Gary Harris was top ten and he's won, you know, Big Ten Freshman of the Year, yeah. uh, you know, countless award MVP for the team. I mean, if this guy had so many accolades, why not go when he could have been drafted at the highest? What if he comes back next year? And this ends up being the wrong decision. We saw what happened to Kalen Lucas. Mm-hmm. We saw what have happened, you know, with some 18 Cleaves. We've, we've seen players make the wrong choice again and again and again. But, you know, that's a great point. It's, with these kids, you just don't know. With injuries, it's sad, but you just don't know. But you got to take your chances. And even with Gary, he comes back. You even said a pre-show. He has many opportunities to improve his game. This is his chance to improve his name. Trey comes back. He almost wins a national title. He's top three, top five, wherever he's going. Right now they have him going five to New Orleans, the Pelicans. Right. So you never know. You never know with these guys, but you know what? He's coming back. He's special. He's going to be picked. 517-432-3893. Now let's just jump to the other big guy, Adrian Payne, who still is in jeopardy. But according to you, there's some breaking news today that he was working out still again. He was working out. He was working out. I saw him working out today. And a lot of guys said his decision you know, to come back is still up in the air, you know. You know, ESPN ran a segment today that had him pick second round, first overall in the second round. It's picking the Cleveland. So he's a 31 overall pick. So that might not even be a good thing for him if he's already rated that low. He's already rated very high, 31. And for his standard— You think that's high, though? I know. I, I envision Adrian Payne as a first-round pick with his upside. Um, Depending. You know, he had you know he was too inconsistent with his game. 
I thought he was a little too inconsistent to even be a first round, but you know, you never know with these guys. But with his ups, I mean, look at Gary Harris. I mean, this guy, Gary Harris, has tremendous upside. And, and I think actually Adrian Payne might have more upside than Gary does. I'd argue that. With his height, you know, I'd argue that. You know, with his wingspan, mm-hmm. what he can do, his intensity, his intangibles. Yeah. But this is an Adrian Payne that is the most in, one of the most improved players. Oh, without a now, doubt. Now, I think if he comes back and he tries to do this again, I think he can do just as well and maybe be a first round pick. I mean, without a doubt. If he if Payne would come back, I would say this is a first round. But you gotta think objectively, what is Payne thinking? He's thinking, I got a weak class ahead of me. My right. teammate who was arguably voted by my own teammates better than I am offensively, is going back to school. Now I have a chance to step up and who needs a big? Who needs a 6'10", 240 guy in their backcourt? That's something to think about. Right. 517-432-3893. Thoughts about Adrian Payne and his return to Michigan State. Uh, Alongside with Adrian Payne and the Michigan State Spartans, there is a little bit of a split with the Big Ten. And if you have not been keeping up the track, the Big Ten announcing this past week what they have decided to do with the divisions. Michigan, Michigan State, and Ohio State all in one. Rutgers and Maryland fending for themselves in another. Uh, but, but uh, Fino, does this – I mean, you we were talking about this pre-show. Yep. And it comes – you know, this is where we differ a little bit. I, I personally feel that having Michigan State, Ohio State, and Michigan in one division, sure, it brings them the money. But I just think having Ohio State in a different division than Michigan – is great for that championship. I mean, the whole point of this championship and this Big Ten playoff was so, one, it would bring more revenue, but two, it, you know, you there would be more his history. There would be more publicity, these bigger rivalries. I just think having them all in the same division you know, creates a heavy-loaded Eastern Conference like we're seeing in the NBA this year. I mean, it's definitely loaded, and you're right, and we look at it in front of me. It's in front of me. There's no doubt, and you argue, you get Big Ten experts, you know, you talk to Rittenberg and ESPN, and they all love that the East is better than the West proposed. But you got to look at what it does for universities. And the way I look at it is, look, Michigan is matched up with Michigan State. That's a rivalry. You look at it, Michigan, you know, Michigan State, they're protected with Indiana. That's a rivalry. You bring Penn State back to the fray, and that's a no rival. That's a land-grant trophy you bring back. So from an MSU standpoint, yeah, we're in a tougher division. But you know what? We have three, three of our core rivals in there. And Michigan can say the same thing. They bring back their hated rival in Ohio State with there. And it would make a great championship game. But you know what? Having that game every year, in my opinion, would be bigger for the conference and better for Big Ten football. Why, why though? Because you you look at the money part. I get that mm-hmm. having a little bit of giving other teams a chance, but this is a Maryland team that could not fill the seats with their students. You're right, but now now you add something in Maryland that is Big Ten football. You know, we're we're Big Ten guys. We understand how I don't think we realize it how big of a deal it is for Big Ten football. Arguably the second best football conference next to the SEC, which is practically NFL. Well, with all these allegations now, you might you, you may switch that around. We could. You could switch that around. How dirty is the SEC? You never hear it about the Big Ten. Big Ten is pretty clean for the, I understand Penn State, but that's a to me, my opinion, I know I'm gonna get scrutinized for this. That is not a football matter. It's just it's not an SCA matter. But that is that is another standard. But you know what? If we analyze Big Ten football, guess what? You give them a chance for these guys to play every year to get to that championship game, so what? I think it's great for the conference. Right. And, of course, I won't scrutinize you right here about that last comment because we can look at this Mike Rice thing at Rutgers. Yeah. And, and that's, I mean, you being an East Coast guy. That, that's... I mean, that's a big deal. If you want to really look into it, in New Jersey, they just suspended Rutgers lacrosse coach for the same allegations. It's not talked about because it's not basketball. Uh... But see, so Rutgers is really doing a clamp out on their own. But you know what? 
Rutgers, and I know you said it. Yeah, we could talk about money, but at the end of the day, it is about money. And it is about getting Rutgers. And guess what? They bring NYC and they bring that money and they have a lot. They have a, they have a bigger TV deal than you know, MSC does. So will that money and revenue alone, will that basically, in your opinion, uh, move them up to be a power in the Without in that, a doubt. This is a team that, you know, a couple years ago with, you know, with Ray Rice, they were a powerhouse. They were winning games. You, you, people forget this. They're coming from a conference that guess what? They just won a BCS game and they just Louisville just beat Florida. To win that BCS game. We forget about that. Right. They're not coming from that bad of a conference. And I understand we're Big Ten stand, but guess what? I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a fan of my Spartans, but guess what? Rutgers can compete with any one of these teams. Right. Now, now what does that mean for recruiting? Because as, Dom, as Don Bosco prep guys go go you know, towards Big Ten now? Absolutely. Definitely. I mean, those guys are going SEC as it is. All the big chip New Jersey recruits, they're going SEC. Will Hill comes to mind from Florida, who's a big chip, you know, five-star recruit coming from New Jersey and St. Peter's Prep. He went SEC, and a lot of other guys go, they go SEC as well. Justin Trotto's another Florida guy. They go Florida. They go to those other schools in the SEC. Are they thinking, now I can go Big Ten and get an equally same chance about the pros? Because that's what it comes down to. They want to get to that next level. Right. Well, maybe it comes the moment they create an SEC network along with Big Ten Network. It's right there. It's in the process, so you never know with these things. All right. 517-432-3893. I'm Alex Sharg. Same time, same place. Mondays from 7 to 8 on Impact 89FM. Anthony Serafino, the avid baseball fan from Glen Rock, New Jersey, to my left, Michigan State student and proud. Uh, we've got a huge lineup on today's show. We're going to get into Detroit Red Wings right now, but after that, we've got Detroit Tigers coming up at 730 NBA playoffs at 735, NFL draft, and then capping off the show, this whole big spring game picture, a lot to discuss whether this spring game left a lot of questions, uh, a lot of different holes, the new hydrochrome helmets that were worn, uh, MSU football adding two recruits in 2014, Brian, Brian Calloway from Lansing State Journal, we'll talk about that capping off the show. And then Goon of the Week, 755, the usual, we've got a good goon this week. And Anthony from New Jersey here is connected to this goon from out east, so we'll talk about it. But with four games left to go, three at Joe Louis Arena, one at Dallas, the Detroit Red Wings are hoping to clinch a playoff berth. What? They're trying to they're trying to make a playoff berth. They're trying to clinch it. Now, nope. this is a 22 straight playoff berth Red Wing team. Biggest in the you know biggest in the NHL right and most historic and I mean and not just that this is an original six team we've seen original six teams fall off a bit look what's happened to the Maple Leafs in recent years yeah look what's happened to this Canadian team I mean we've seen these original six teams sometimes being unable uh, to continue that legacy it's a turn of the tide right and arguably with Chicago now uh, overtaking perhaps that conference. Uh, it looks like the Red Wings are in a different place than they were in the last decade. Team of the decade, as you know. Absolutely. But, I mean, wow. I mean, for a Columbus trade, a, a Columbus team who wasn't supposed to be very good, a lot of young guys no. on this team, uh, this causes quite the concern. I mean, where's your where's your picture for the Red Wings to finish? Fina? I think the Red Wings are in a big situation right now. I mean, this is a, this is un, this is uncharted oh, waters. No question. For the Wings. No question. They've never been in this position before, and to be in the standings, you know, tied. They're a ninth tied with Dallas. And they're looking up in the standing, and there's the Blue Jackets who every year, they're 30 points behind them. I mean, it's a turn of the tide. I'm <laughs> saying it's a big turn. And then you just said it with these original six teams. You look at Montreal. You look at Toronto. These teams, original six, who've been in the basement are now coming up. And now the Wings, their fortune has reversed on them. They have four games. They're behind three points. 
three straight at the Joe. Tonight they got Phoenix. It's a must win, is it not? And not only they have Phoenix, but the following schedule after this Phoenix game, the Red Wings have to host the Los Angeles Kings. That's a big game. And then they have to host Nashville Predators. Whose basement, I mean, second worst in the West, but... I don't care any, you know, Nashville's going to play him tough. That's a division foe. That's a rival. They're going to play him tough. The Kings are sitting pretty at four. They're a playoff team. They're fighting. They're jousting for seeding. They're not going to play bad. And then, like you didn't even mention, then they go to Dallas, a team they're tied with that ninth spot for, sitting pretty also at 48 points. They're looking up at Columbus three back. That is that going to be essentially an elimination game? Does the yeah. winner of that game get eliminated, you know, Go into the playoff, loser eliminated. Does it? It's it's a it's a possibility, but you can't you can't rule it out. Five one seven four three two three eight nine three. We want to hear your opinions. What does that mean? Uh, is that going to be the last spot? Is that going to be you know the outs the the outsting of uh, uh, you know whoever that is uh, that AC is going to be? Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, but I mean, I think the bigger story is can this team do it? I mean, I don't know if you've been following them this year. I have been. I always do with the NHL. And can they do it? And and early in the season, I would say no. I don't think they could have done it. And you know what? That's premature. But with the 48-game season, Alex, we talk about it. It's a different dynamic. It really is. Every game matters. Can they do it? I said no. And I'm going to say yes just because they're Detroit. And you know what? Jimmy Howard is really playing well. He's been playing well. He's stopping pucks. You can't say no. They're yeah. crisp defensively, kind of. They got to get some goals, but if they put them in, they win. And this is a Jimmy Howard that is getting an extension. Fresh off that six-year deal. Right. So if Jimmy Howard stays off the six-year deal and he does not make the playoffs, I mean, man, would the, would the Red Wings organization second-guess him? No way. I think I think if the Red Wings fail the season, I know Detroit, God forbid, MSU, but you know what? If they would have failed this year, you would have to look back and say, you know what, 35 did our job, but guess what? We had two guys defensively that didn't really cut it for us. We've had injuries. They've had, you know, Bertuzzi. Where would he have been if he fits in that lineup well? Would the Red Wings get, Red Wings get more goals? Because right now they're 24th in the NHL with 2.4 goals a game. Is that where the Red Wings are? Bottom of the pack? Last time I checked, Wings are top seven every year in goals scored. Right, and, and we've had this same, you know, we've had this similar starting line with some minor changes. I mean, Dotsuk Zetterberg, uh, you know, and then the grind line after. I mean, it's a different Detroit. Well, well, this is a team that that has been set with with. uh, Besides for the loss of Lidstrom, they've had a very similar core group of players now for the last five years. Of course. So does that mean you have to change that core group if they can't get it done, and if there's not enough help behind them? That may hint to Red Wing fans that listen, we may need to one get a defender like we tried to when they looked into Bowmeister, when they looked to trade, you know, for an elite guy. Or this means that we really have to rebuild from scratch. That means, you know, along with these Michigan State players with Abdelkader and such, we need to start looking at some other options. I mean, I you can't rule it out. 100% you cannot rule it out. I mean, you look at it, but you know what, what screams to me is this. Do we, do the Red Wings need more offensive help? And everyone's saying, whoa, this is a team that we have offensive juggernauts. Where has Franzen gone the last couple months? Where has he been? How's that signing? I look at a Detroit team that, you know, they get scolded defensively. But guess what? They're ninth in the NHL, top half in the NHL in goals against. Whoa. So you're telling me that their goals against is ninth in the NHL and their goals per game is 24th? What do they need? I would say they need a little more defense, but that's contradictory based on that. Where's the offense? Well, let me tell you what they might need. They need some diapers because, according to Shannon Hogan, the last time the Red Wings missed the postseason was when Nyquist was in diapers. Pretty funny stuff. That's pretty unbelievable, and I'm pretty sure a couple guys on the team weren't even born. I mean, it's just unbelievable, at least in their farm system. You know what? 
it, it's a, it's a remarkable streak. But you know, I'm not ready to pack it in yet. I think Detroit gets it done, but by no means is it going to be easy. They need to start winning tonight. And these four games, three out of four at least got to win them. Fino tells you must win. 517-432-3893. Send us a tweet at 89FM Sportrap. Thoughts, concerns, anything you'd like us to know about the Detroit Red Wings as they attempt to make that eighth place berth. Alongside with the Detroit Red Wings, I mean, man, Chicago has the opportunity tonight to clinch the President's Cup. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, they've already won the conference with Pittsburgh. But, I mean, if they win this President's Cup, and this is a division that's been heavily dominated by the Wings. Is this a Chicago division now? Or is it a little too early to say? What about, forget Chicago division. Is this a Chicago conference? Because that's what I'm looking at. Because last time I checked... You don't think there's any team in the conference that can beat Chicago? Uh, I'm not going to say that, but right now you can't, you can't rule them out as the favorites. I mean, sure. I'm looking at it right now, and I say, okay, I see Chicago at one. They're at 73 points. And then I look at it two right now. I see Anaheim at 62. So you got an 11-point. Obviously, they went on that streak before, yeah. which mm-hmm. is pretty remarkable. But if I even look in the Central, the next team is St. Louis with 54 points. Wow. We've never seen a gap like that, especially in a 48-game season. So, no, I'm not going to – I don't think – I think the only team that can compete with Chicago is – Los Angeles Ducks of Anaheim. So mm-hmm. that's what I see. And you know, if the Ducks can play with them, who knows? It's a Chicago conference, in my opinion, Alex. Interesting. 517-432-3893. Again, 517-432-3893. Send us a tweet at 89FM Sports Rap. Alex Shark, same time, same place, from 7 to 8 on Mondays at the Spartan Sports Rap on Impact 89FM. In about 15 minutes at 745, Brian Calloway, Lansing State Journal beat writer for Green and White, will be with us and talking about that Green and White game, that scrimmage that left some running back holes, some quarterback holes even, and maybe perhaps uh, a new hole that comes with defense. I'll talk about that and a little bit more with Brian Calloway at 745. And before we get to Brian, we have NFL Draft, NBA playoffs. But before we jump to the Detroit Tigers at 730 and we take a quick break, quick predictions, Fino. I mean, from an out east guy, your Devils aren't in it this mm-hmm. year. Pittsburgh, of course, start showing flashes as they usually do. The Ovechkin hype, not so sure if it's there this yeah. year. Who do you like? Who do I like overall? I mean, who am I seeing? I definitely out of the East. You gotta rule. You can't rule out Pittsburgh. I'm going with the hot end. I'm going with Pittsburgh. And you know what? I'm going with a little bit of dark horse. But guess what? I want to see him, and I like the way they're playing. I'm going with Anaheim. I'm going with Anaheim in the West, and I'm looking. It's looks like it's going to be another Stanley Cup for the Steel City. I'm going I mean, with Pittsburgh. This is no Anaheim team that that isn't a heavily favored team going to the playoffs. They not lo- at all. I mean, you look at their great runs when Anaheim has has done pretty mm-hmm. well in the playoffs. They have been a lower seed. Very lower seat, but what I look at them is this. Last year, Anaheim was in the basement. You bring in Bruce Bordreau, former Capitals coach, as have we know him. You instill his system in there. Guys are believing. You get guys like Ryan Getzlaff. These guys are playing, and Getzlaff is having a great season. Right, yeah. You can't rule them. No one's talking about them because they're not Detroit. They're not St. Louis. No one's talking about Minnesota anymore. And guess what? They're not Chicago. So that's why, you know what? A little outside pick, I got to go with the Ducks. Interesting picks. We want to hear your picks, too. Feel free to send us a tweet or call in. 30 minutes after the hour of 7 o'clock, like I said, Detroit Tigers as soon as we return from this quick break. NBA playoffs, NFL draft, Brian Calloway, and a whole lot more. Stay tuned to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact 89FM. You're listening to Impact Exposure. 
For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Monday nights from 8 till 10, the Asian Invasion brings you the music from the rising sun. We'll bring you the latest pop, indie, rock, and electro from Korea, Japan, and China. Only on Impact 89 FM. An ordinary day, an ordinary family's living room filled with an ordinary bunch of kids. And they were doing nothing. When suddenly... That's a personal foul. An active activity on a sunny day. Coming to the rescue was NFL running back Reggie Bush. Let's play. And play they did. There was running and jumping and laziness was crushed. Hey kids, don't get a lazy penalty. Go online to smallstep.gov for fun playtime ideas. So you can be a player too. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Attention shoppers, if anyone is missing a rather plump set of love handles, please come to the customer service counter and claim them. The ample love handles were lost in the produce department where their former owner had purchased fruits and veggies to munch on during the big game. Thank you and have a good day. Small step number 81, snack on fruits and veggies. It's just one of the many small steps you can take to get healthy. Learn more at www.smallstep.gov. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Now back to Impact Exposure. Welcome back to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact 89FM. A nice, smooth entry into this Monday. Anthony Serafino, also known as Fino, to my left. Alex Sharg, your host, same time, same place, on Mondays from 7 to 8 p.m. You can also stream us online if you're getting out of your car, if you want to enjoy the day. Bring your computer out with you. It's just a, not even a click away, but just enter in this address, impact89fm.org. You can stream it right there live from 7 to 8 but like I said before the break, Detroit Red Wings obviously have some work to do, but mm-hmm. maybe a little too early, but the Detroit Tigers, as we've talked about in last week's, starting to get a little bit nervous. But an ESPN blog today saying that the Detroit Tigers are one of the most overhyped teams in the major leagues. That's right. Overrated, overhyped. Uh, this is according to David Schoenfeld from ESPN.com. I mean, from the from the rattlings from Alex Avila, is, is he the new Rick Wilkins? Uh, and then even talking about Porcello, whose legend grows in the absence of light and rational inquiry. Uh, pretty harsh words from Schoenfeld on some of these guys. But, I mean, there have been some great teams in, in Major League Baseball thus far. Some great storylines. I mean, let's talk about Joey Votto from the Reds. I mean, certainly having a great weekend. Yeah. The Rockies on the rise as well uh, after they did blow that game against Arizona. Uh, but, I mean, on. they're tied with the Braves for the best record in baseball right I'm now. I'm not surprised. The Braves are, Braves are playing great, great baseball. But that you traditional know, Braves history. That, that yeah, too, I mean, so. especially you look at Justin Upton. Upton brothers, I'm not surprised. Braves playing well. Yeah, I mean, that's another thing, though. The Upton brothers. It was when, when was that going to happen? When was their maximum efficiency going to come out? This could be their year. I mean, you never know. But literally, with the Upton brothers, it's been a tale of two Uptons. You look at BJ, who can't even hit a beach ball at the moment, and then you get Justin, who's leading the National League in home runs. So you look at the two in Uptons, and they're playing great baseball. And you know what? The Braves pitching wins. We see it with San Francisco. We're seeing it with the Braves. Right. And close to him is Prince Fielder right. from the American League with five. Fresh Prince. So uh, building all Fresh Prince, I mean... Won that American Player of the Week uh, last week when we were on the Sports Wrap last Monday. But this week, I mean, man, this Tiger team has seen it through and through again. This Detroit Tiger pitching, I mean, along with their offensive struggles sometimes, but this pitching just unable to hold up. I mean, we we knew that this Detroit Tiger pitching staff had some issues, had a couple couple of minor problems to, to sort through, especially on the relief side. But little did we think that this Detroit Tigers really pitching and with Rick Porcello 
would give up nine runs and nine hits in the first inning, pulled after two-thirds. I mean, totally brutal. Brutal outing. I mean, the way... I mean, I'm speechless to talk about how the Tigers... You know, pitching, we all knew the Tigers offensively wouldn't be a problem. I mean, of course, fourth in the majors with their with their average at 273. You look at Fielder, who's got 21 ribbies. You look at Cabrera, who's got 18, triple crown, yada, yada, yada. But then I look at their rotation. You mentioned Rick Porcello, absolutely getting shelled. And then you look at Justin Verlander, reason for concern, he's 2-2 two and two in April. I mean, fresh off that $202 million contract. Is he getting too comfortable? I would say no. Let's not jump off a cliff yet. But then, no need to pen it for this Tigers team. They're still 12th in the majors with that 381 staff ERA. The bullpen has been bad, but you know what? I look for the Tigers to rebound. They're hanging in there. That's what good teams do. When they're playing their absolute worst, they're still 500. I still like Detroit. They're not overhyped, Detroit. They're going to win some games deep in October. Another thing to note, I mean, you mentioned pitching, uh, mm-hmm. is and, and Verlander, is the fact that Justin Verlander, you know, after getting that huge contract, huge. this is the guy, according to Josh Slater from MLive and according to Yahoo Sports' Jeff Hassan, says that Verlander's fastball has had a slight drop. He hasn't reached over 98 miles per hour this so far this year. Uh, one AL scout saying it's been from 91 to 93, and an NL scout having him from 90 to 94, topping at 96 for its fastball. And that's one of the pitchers that... Uh, this is the guy that throws gas, triple digits. So this is what I'm saying about Verlander. I've, I have noticed that. I've read a couple things about that. And, you know, I've come to this. I've come to this equation on that. I said, you know what? Scouts need something to talk about. And you know what? This is Justin Verlander. And when something's out of the ordinary, they're going to mention it. And the first thing that comes to mind with a star losing his velocity and his fastball is, you know, Shark, we talked about it. Who is it? It's Tim Lincecum. He used to throw 96, 97. Now he's throwing 89. So is this the beginning of Verlander's arm to deteriorate? I would say, of course not. Has Verlander had a major injury in his career? No. Is this his little rawness? He's still got a 213 ERA. He's got 29 strikeouts and four outings. So, you know, a little different. He's 2-2. Two two. The whip is one two two. It's not awful. It's still great, but it's not right. Verlander. And you don't want to make any, you know, kid up the arguments. You, know, you don't want to throw that in there. No way. But, look, I mean, like you said, the Lincecum thing. 89 miles an hour. Has he had a significant injury? You know he has. He's had. He has a multiple shoulder soreness. He's had the you know the soreness in the shoulder has been really bad. He's had a couple stints in the DL, which Verlander has not as many stints in the DL as he has. So when I look at it, is you know what, Verlander has won titles. He's has he gone complacent or is he just injured? Verlander is still chasing that elusive World Series crown. And Verlander is still consistently striking out batters. I mean, this is the guy that's allowed one home run in tw- yeah. one home run in 25 and a third innings. Uh strikeout rate still high, walk late, walk rates are still low. I, I don't think there's any reason to doubt that this guy regardless of how fast he's throwing. I mean, this is a Verlander as we know that can consistently produce. I mean, another guy, uh besides for Al, Al- Albuquerque, phenomenal, almost unhittable, but Another guy that's really concerning is Octavio Dotel. Yeah, I mean, yep. uh, you know, a historic career in the majors, always will be remembered as a great veteran in the league. But his elbow issue, I mean, this is a guy that already has an, an interesting release as it is. But Octavio Dotel, with the Tigers with no closer now, he has closed before. But, I mean, teams have seen Octavio Dotel for a long time. I mean, he's I, been there, done that. I, I don't think that having him in a closer role is, is at all... Point. Well, I said it's in the beginning, Alex, and I remember we were going back and forth, and you told me they, you know, the Tigers would be okay with their closer by committee, 
And I would say, you know what? No, I think they needed a guy. They bring back Valverde. And I, I understand, Tiger fans, Papa Grande is giving you a fair share of headaches in the day. I remember you borrowed a couple of my Advils. But you know what? Guess what? <laughs> he's your guy. And if he's in your system, bring him back and give him a role he's used to. You go by this closer by committee. Shark, you said it. He's been there, done that. But the, he's the, the, seen no, Fino, but he's not used to this role. He was historic. He was horrible last year. I mean, he was horrible. You know, he was horrible. But guess what? He got it done, and you know, he got it done. And you can even argue about a Papa Grande. Sure. He got it done, and he got it done. And I understand he choked a little bit when it mattered, but he still got you forty saves. Is he your solution? No. But then go on the trading deadline and get someone. That's the beauty of baseball. Long season, many storylines. Right. And it was an interesting thing because Valverde, as you know, Fino, he wasn't actually signed. Until the first week of the season. It, it was very Teams premature. could have picked him up. Everyone could have picked him up. And that comes to me is how desperate was Doug Dombrowski? How desperate is now the Tigers that they waited a guy that they were told in the offseason they weren't going to give a deal to. And then you bring him back a week before the season. You tell him, you know what? We're coming back. We need you. What does that tell you about your staff? Right. Not pretty good. But they would never admit that they actually need no, him. No, of course not. They would never admit that because everyone in baseball, they want to hear the honchos of the head guy. But maybe they don't. Maybe he is coming back because of an issue that we don't know about. What if Valverde is being brought back uh, in a solution that we do lose and maybe do not sign any other? What if Valverde even has a different role in the team? I mean, you, could, you couldn't rule that out. But the way I look at it is there's no bona fide closer in this game. There's no bonafide closer for this team, for their games. Who's setting their games up? It's it's pretty. Leland's got to juggle his cards out right now, and we said it. Good teams, it's almost like in golf. Good teams, good players in golf when they're not hitting well, they scramble. Good teams in the baseball, it's the dog days of summer that make a baseball team. Can the Tigers scramble? They're scrambling now. They're getting their feet wet now. Verlander loses. You know, last outing he pitched on the 18th a couple days ago. Verlander loses. He strikes out 12, one earned, two earned runs, and loses the game. You got a hit for this guy, but he's 2-2. Two and two. Tigers can get it done. Let them go. Absolutely. Uh, three, five, four, three, two, three, eight, nine, three. Again, five, one, seven, four, three, two, three, eight, nine, three. Feel free to send us a tweet at eighty nine FM Sports Trap. Brian Callaway will be on with us in the next five minutes or so. So definitely keep your ears tuned to him. Uh, alongside with Brian Callaway, uh, another thing to know within the next couple days is this historic NFL draft. I mean. Uh, predictions, you know, Lions, obviously the D Milner, yeah. best player on the board, but then there's this Isaac Alonso has barely played football. I mean, this is a guy that's showing a lot of high ceilings in this combine. I mean, what do you think about a guy who's played football for literally under three years that is looking to somehow make a statement in the NFL draft? I mean, I can't rule it out. And you know what? But I, I, you know what? He hasn't been football playing for three years, but the way I look at it is this. The Lions need someone who's ready to play now. And if that means he's played for three years of professional football and can play effectively for the Lions, why shouldn't they rule it out? Why should they rule it out? Because the Lions need all help they can get. They didn't look good last year. But the other thing to look at it is that, yes, I mean, three years of football, you can't rule it all out, but mm -hmm. this is a defensive end position that we do have some help. I mean, they did sign Jason Jones. They did sign Mosley yeah. in the middle. They've got they've got the consistent Fairley and Sue right there. Yes, they lost Averill. Sure, big loss. But is this a team that necessarily has defensive ends as their number one concern? I don't know. I, I mean, I personally feel they that— They lost a lot of guys on that side of the ball. But I, I personally feel that a cornerback or a secondary member is, is more important than not necessarily a defensive end, but an Eric Fisher on an offensive tackle position, too. I think Eric Fisher is great, but my argument with Eric Fisher is I don't think he's going to be there. I think Fisher gets picked four to the Eagles because they need offensive I saw line. one thing about having Fisher as number two overall. I'm not—you know what? I'm not surprised. There's—you know— 
this, you know, with Luke Jokel, you love, I love Luke Jokel, yeah. the best tackle in the draft by far for me. Fisher's second. These teams, they need a top tackle in this draft. They're going to go with these two guys. So I definitely think the Lions do need some, they need, I think they need offensive line help. They need D line help, especially those D ends. And their secondary is atrocious. Right. I mean, their top three probably goes with corners, secondary. You okay. can make the argument okay. about safety, maybe two. I mean, linebackers pretty much set. But, I mean, probably the big three are safeties. I mean, I'm secondary, excuse me. Yeah. Secondary, offensive line, and defensive line. What defensive I mean? line, there, there are some weapons. We have weapons. I mean, you look at the lines. Is okay, Sue, can he control? I know. Can he control his emotions and play? You look at Sue. You know, you bring Fairley in there. They got D tackles, but where their D ends, you lose Avril. You got Bosh. You know, you lose Bosh. They lose those guys. So I think the Lions need to look into it and really, do they go end or do they go tackle or do they even go secondary? I would argue for secondary. Secondary over it. So you're you're on the D Milner train. Oh, of course. I mean, I think Milner is good. I mean, I think the Lions need all the help they can. Chris Houston right. is just not gonna cut it. I mean, he's just not. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's a guy that was offered a pretty lengthy contract that may have came to a surprise or some too. I'm big surprise for me. I definitely think he wasn't worth it. I mean, a lengthy contract is a surprise. I don't know what I've seen in him. It hasn't been good, but I don't know what you think, Shard. I don't think I don't think he can do it. I don't think he can do it at a level and competitively. Five one seven four three two three eight nine three again. Five one seven four three two three eight nine three. I believe we have Brian Calloway on the line right now. We'll be getting him in just a second here. But I mean, Kevin, off this draft. I mean, let's look at an East Coast guy like you, yeah. Fina. I mean, uh, as a new Jet, uh, as a New York Jets fan. Yeah. I mean, we'll we'll get into our national news right here. I mean, as a Jets fan, where do you go when it comes to this draft? The draft, I'm going with. I, you know what? We were talking about defensive end. I think that's where the you know that's where the Jets got to look into. Kind of where the lines are kind of going in that mill. Jets got to do the same thing. You trade your best secondary. You trade the best guy in the secondary by far, Revis Island. And then you look at okay, who are they going to get? Are they going to go D. Milner as a cornerback to replace him? Possibility. Or do they go Mark Jarvis and Mingo? You know, defensive end at LSU. Great options. I think Mingo's a great option. I would argue Milner is a better we need without Revis. But now you got that 13th overall pick, too. Does Milner fall to 13? You get Mingo and Milner? That's a possibility for the Jets with that Revis trade. All things to look at. All things to look at. And another thing to look at was this green and white scrimmage this past weekend as Brian Callaway now joins us, Lansing State Journal's green and white writer. Uh, I mean, Brian, I mean, we saw flashes from receivers to backs. We saw Maxwell with a game-winning touchdown that may have been complimentary of A.J. Troop instead. I mean, what is the big storyline out of this game, Brian? Well, obviously, the defense is obviously a big storyline, obviously because, you know, this is a unit that returns most of its starters, and it's a unit that's expected to be good. But also, I mean, just the ongoing position battles with the offense, the main offensive skill positions is another big story this out of spring. I mean, if you look at it, obviously the quarterback situation with Andrew Maxwell and have, seeing if he's going to be able to hold off Connor Kirk and Tyler O'Connor for that quarterback job. That's one of the things that we were looking at this spring. You have... You know, if the wide receivers were getting better, they would kind of eliminate the issues of drop passes that kind of played the unit last year. And also, I mean, you're replacing a uh, an All-American running back in Le'Veon Bell, and who was going to step up at that position? And, I mean, if you kind of look at the spring game, the results of that alone, I mean, you would think that Connor Cook had the better day of the quarterbacks, although, you know, neither quarterbacks really had a great completion percentage, you know, and, you know, like you mentioned, uh, Andrew Maxwell throwing the game-winning touchdown, which, you know, A.J. Troop did most of the work in that play, you know, short pass and, you know, was able to split a couple of defenders yeah. in and, uh, you know, break free for the touchdown. So, I mean, 
I think there's a lot of storylines. You know, the defense is obviously a big story, but also, I mean, just looking at those offensive skill positions with, you know, the quarterbacks, the running backs, wide receivers, and even the tight ends, too, because uh, MSU has to replace a, a, a pretty good tight end and Deion Sims as well, too. Right, and of course, on that defense, as you said, the main storyline. I mean, let's look at a guy like Shalik Calhoun. I mean, what is his role going to be like for this team? Is he going to be that playmaker that many would hope that he would turn into? Uh, Shalik Calhoun, I mean, he's a guy that uh, Mark Antonio believes, you know, him and you know, Trey Waynes have kind of submitted some cemented uh, starting spots in the defense with what they did this spring. And, and Shalik Calhoun, I mean, I remember talking to him earlier this spring on uh, now, he's a guy that's going to be himself. He, you know, obviously he's going to be filling in the shoes of Will Golston. And, I mean, he's not exactly like Will Golston. He's more of a guy that can get it done with, with quickness. He's not, you know, the big, strong, imposing figure like, huge uh, like Will Golston is. Yeah. But, I mean, he brings a different dimension to the table. And he's going to, you know, be the best player that he can be and fill that role. But, you know, look, he had a pretty good spring as well as Trey Wayne's. And cornerback Trey Wayne's who will be uh, you know, trying to take that spot that uh, – was vacated by with the graduation on Johnny Adams. So I mean, those were two guys on the defense that that had really good springs and kind of submitted starting jobs heading into the fall. Absolutely. Now, before actually, Fino has a question for you to my left, right here, Brian. But before I have Fino ask you a question um, from the quarterback position, I mean, we saw Maxwell with that game-winning pass, but Troop managed to to get around a lot of the defenders himself. Now you look at Connor Cook, who to some that I've heard. Uh, I've heard some people say this, that Cook may have looked almost better than Maxwell, especially running with some of these ones and twos. Uh, then, of course, Tyler O'Connor with two picks, and not the best performance, but still some upside to this guy. And then you don't want to say it, you don't want to rule it out, but the dark horse, Damian Terry, who may redshirt, mm-hmm. but he is also a possibility that we haven't seen yet, Brian. Uh, where do you see this quarterback battle taken out from here, as much as Maxwell has been that favorite so far this spring? I really think that the battle is really between, uh, you know, Maxwell and Connor Cook. I mean, I think with what you saw from Tyler O'Connor, I mean, his first real experience playing in the front of the public at, at Spartan Stadium, I mean, you could tell that he's not really ready. I mean, he he needs more time. So I think from Saturday you saw that Maxwell and Connor Cook is what this quarterback competition is going to come down to. As good as Damian Terry is, and you know, he had an outstanding prep career at Erie Cathedral Prep in Pennsylvania, I mean, I just – it's kind of hard for a freshman quarterback to come in and, you know, you know, to take control of the offense and have the command as well as, you know, someone like Andrew Maxwell or Connor Cook who have been in the system for a few years. And I mean, I would say, and then after the game, you know, the coaches said that, you know, Maxwell has the upper upper edge to heading into the fall just because of his experience. And I mean, I think he's Maxwell is a safe bet, but you know, Connor Cook is pushing. You know, he's a guy that, you know, if he didn't make as many mistakes. I mean, he could be a guy that's right there with Maxwell's, according to, to what the coaches say. So, I mean, I really think this battle is going to come down to the fall, and it's going to be strictly between uh, Maxwell and Connor Cook. And if Connor Cook can limit the mistakes that he makes, I mean, he he can be right there. He could be the guy that's the starter. But, I mean, I think Connor Cook has an interesting dimension because he has ability to create things when, when things aren't there. And that's something that you know, Andrew Maxwell doesn't really bring. I mean, Maxwell's, like I said, he's kind of that, that safe bet at quarterback. I mean, he's a senior. Mm-hmm. He's been in the system. He, he knows he's had a full year of starting experience under his belt. So if coaches want the safe bet, I mean, Maxwell would be definitely the guy. But, you know, if you want someone that, you know, can bring some creativity to the position and, you know, can maybe do some different types of things. I mean, Connor Cook, you know, is right there. So Right, and this is a team after that 6-6 six and six season that can sure use some creativity, Brian. But 
alongside with that, I mean, you look at Tyler O'Connor. You said he nef- he may need some more time, but as a red shirt already, how much time can you really give to him? Well, I mean, I think you can afford to give him time when you have two other guys that you know are pretty have extensive knowledge of the playbook and uh, okay. that, you know look a look a lot better looked a lot better than he did on Saturday. So I, I mean, I, I mean the coaches are excited about some of the things he can do because he was able to create and you know, Mark Antonio said that he ad, said this spring that he ad libs well and you know can can make things happen. But I mean. It's all about what you do when, when the, the lights are on and not what you do in the practices. And, I mean, I'm sure he had some decent practices, but, I mean, we saw what Connor Cook and Andrew Maxwell were able to do when the lights were on on Saturday in front of a crowd. And, I mean, they looked way better. And I think, you know, Cook was definitely the big winner on Saturday because I thought he looked the best of all three of those quarterbacks. Uh, you know, I think, you know, Cook led three scoring drives for the, his, his team, whereas Maxwell only really – he led two scoring drives. He had the – the touchdown the Troop, which was, you know, a big play by Troop, and then a field goal drive. So, I mean, you look at that, too, you have to think, well, you know, Cook did a better job moving the team when he, when he was in that quarterback. Right. For those of you just tuning in, Brian Calloway from the Lansing State Journal joining us on the air. A lot of you guys have been calling in, trying to talk to Brian. We'll get to your calls as soon as we are done with Brian, so you can ask those uh, as soon as we're done here. But, Brian, I mean, besides for the fact that, yes, first, first scrimmage in the spring, Time for you to get back with a lot of the press box guys, but I mean, man, I mean, let's just talk about this recruiting effort from Michigan State. Up to six recruits, as you posted yesterday, uh, Saturday, uh, the Spartans landing uh, Brian Allen and Anak Smith Jr. Uh, Anak Smith Jr., of course, being swayed from a couple other bigger offers. Uh, who was really the lead role on this uh, in this recruitment of Anak? Oh, I mean, I think, you know, Dan Rosar, you know, before he left, I mean, he was a big guy that recruited the state of Illinois. So, I mean, and he has some ties to Illinois. I think he has some ties to to the University of Northern Illinois. So, I mean, he could have helped out with that a lot. But, I mean, it's good that they, you know, getting Brian Allen, who's a center, their younger brother, Jack Allen, that's a nice gift for them. I mean, like you said, Enoch Smith Jr., I mean, I believe he had a had a Notre Dame offer. So, I mean, they have a, they're off to a nice start with their recruiting class. I mean, they have a... They got a quarterback already, um, and you know they've kind of addressed some some issues. I mean, filled up with some linemen, and I mean I think it's really a good thing too to see them you know, starting to get some some good prospects in the state of Illinois. So I think that's a good thing for them. And they had a couple of Illinois guys in their last class as well too. So I, mean, I think they're off to a pretty good start with what they have in recruiting so far. And obviously, you know, they have the in-state guy Dion Drake uh, from Detroit that they got last right. year, and then they have. Uh, Byron Bola, the younger brother of uh, Riley, Riley and Max Bola. So I mean, they're, I think they're off to a good start with recruiting, and uh, and they're they're in the running for some other uh, prospects too. So we'll see what they decide, you know, throughout these these next few months here. Absolutely. Now, capping off uh, this MSU football spot here. I mean, the bigger question, I think, with this offense comes with replacing that 1,000-yard back in Le'Veon Bell. Tompkins had some nice flashes, Lankford a couple, but the consistency wasn't really there. Nick Hill, obviously, uh, some concerns whether he's trying to maybe break the bank after each run. Uh, One, is Nick Hill going to be that guy? And two, what do you think is needed from a much smaller core of different running backs for this team? Well, I, I think it's going to be kind of, kind of too hard to necessarily judge the running backs based on Saturday just because you know, both of them are playing playing with makeshift offensive lines and not the, the same guys that you'll see you know, on Saturdays in the fall right, right. with the, the lines being split up. But, I mean, I think the running back situation is really one that's going to come down to the fall. I mean, obviously, we saw Riley Bola you know, get switched from linebacker over to running back within the last two weeks of spring practice, and he really did some promising things, and, you know, 
he had some nice runs in the spring game. And then, I mean, I think D'Antonio was really looking for someone to compliment guys like Nick Hill, Jimmy Langford, and uh, uh, Tompkins, who are all the same kind of style back with the speed back. And, you know, Riley Bull is a bigger, you know, 232 pounds and, you know, will come into the pile and hit you and things like that. So I think Antonio was kind of looking for that dimension and looking for someone to carry a, a heavier load when he, he opted to switch Riley Bull as a running back. But, I mean, I think this, like I said, it's going to really get settled down to the fall when you have three freshmen that are really going to join the fall. You have uh, Gerald Holmes and uh, Delton Williams. Who, Delton Williams was a teammate with uh, Damian Terry. And those are two guys that are going to be like bigger style backs, and they could uh, very well crack into this running back rotation uh, come fall. Or you have a guy like R.J. Sheldon, who I think is more similar to uh, Nick Hill and uh, right. Tompkins and some of the other guys they have. So, I mean, the next situation really comes down to the fall. It's going to depend on how the freshmen perform. And also it's going to depend on how uh, the linebacker, incoming freshman linebackers perform as uh, well, too, is what D'Antonio said. Because mm. Riley Bull is a guy that obviously we saw flashes in the spring game, and we saw that he can help them at this position. But he also was played coming into spring to be the uh, backup middle linebacker to his brother Max. So if, you know, those incoming freshmen, John Rusky and St. Jones, so that, you know, they're ready and they could come back up Max, then I think we'll see, you know, Riley very well in that picture to be in, in helping out that running back. But also, I mean, if those incoming freshmen show that they can play right away too, maybe we, maybe we see one of them in the backfield and Riley going back to defense and backing up his brother, older brother at middle linebacker. Definitely a definitely a prime defense in the Big Ten. We'll see if it comes in full circle. Brian, thank you so much for joining us. I'm sure we'll talk to you again soon. All right. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Brian. Brian Calloway from the Lansing State Journal joining us. Great to have him on. Some interesting perspectives, a lot of good analysis from Brian. Uh, like I said, again, if you want to call us back before we end the show, we've got about four minutes left. Unfortunately, we had to kind of rush Brian off the air. Uh, but feel free to just call us again, 517-432-3893, just real quickly before we end it. Uh, before we get to our Goon of the Week in about three minutes, I want to talk about... I mean, the new helmets at the Spartans. Spartans great, I love them. Yeah, Hydrochrome sporting Boston on the helmets for the game with the, with the tragedy. But what I want to say is, although that has passed, this Boston-New York Knicks series is one for the ages. It's definitely one for the ages. And, you know, what about this NBA, you know, these NBA playoffs? You can't say enough about them. But it definitely is one for the ages. And you know what? I'm going to be a little biased, but I'd love the Knicks to pull it out. I'm sorry, <laughs> Boston, but the buck ends here. Yeah. but And that's the thing. is If, if New York pulls us out, and, and Paul Paul Pierce has been here before. Been there, done that. He wants to win this for the city of Boston. His heart is in this last playoff run for him. Maybe possibly, possibly. last. But, I mean, if, if Boston does not win this series, I mean, do the fans, are the fans disappointed a lot more? I mean, does this does this Boston tragedy enhance the Celtics team? I mean, it's it's got to. It's motivation. It's it's poster board material for these you know for these guys in that locker room. All twelve of those guys are going to come out ready to play basketball. But when it comes down to it, Boston was never looking to compete in the East anyway. And I'm sorry, but the Knicks are just a better better team. They play better basketball, and they got a guy named Carmelo. And they do have a guy named Carmelo. Uh, but of course, we actually want to jump to a quick break, uh, quick caller here before we get off the air. You're on the Spartan Sports Chat. We've got Elmo here from Detroit. Elmo, we're just talking about Knicks and the Boston Celtics here. Uh, you think the Boston Celtics are, are, are riled up? You know, considering this marathon. No, I think they're finished this year. I think the Knicks they, they can't they're not going to be able to beat the Knicks. Wow. I mean, and then alongside with his Knicks, I mean. What are you watching tonight, Elmo? Are you watching the Bulls and Nets? Are you watching Memphis and L.A.? I mean, you're a Laker guy. You're calling all the time. I love the Lakers. Um, I'm just worried, you know, with Colby gone, I don't think they're going to have much of a chance this year. Uh, I mean, Fino, what do you think? 
I mean, I, the Lakers, well, Lakers, uh, they definitely got a little work cut out for them right now. But you know what? It's San Antonio series. That's all I got to say to Elmo. Elmo. Is yeah, San, San, San Antonio's tough. But I think you got to worry about the, you know, the sleeper of the, of the playoffs is Brooklyn Nets. Why do you think Brooklyn? They got a great, great ball club. I think, the, you know, they have all the pieces they could hang. Uh, but I think the winner of this year is going to be the Clippers. Ah, the Clippers. Clippers. You think it's Lob City over Lakers City? Yep. I think the, 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 the Clippers are going to take them this year. Almo, thanks a lot for some great opinions. We always appreciate your call. Thanks, Alex. Appreciate it. Thanks. Almo from Detroit calling in with some last, uh, some a couple last words before we get off the air. But, I mean, man, I mean, he brought up a great point. I mean, the Jay-Z effect of Brooklyn, and then after this year, he's looking to maybe get rid of that with his new venture with Robinson Cano. Oh, what about it? You know, he's an agent now. But, you know, you forget the Jay-Z effect in Brooklyn. I think something in Brooklyn that doesn't go unspoken is it's Mikhail Prokhorov wow. influence. And he's really transformed with commitment, That's money, power. And Prokhorov wants them to win, and he guaranteed it. A title in five years, or I'm getting married. And look at and then draft after draft. I mean, this is a guy who's come in probably isn't as knowledgeable about the basketball business. No, but he surrounds himself with the right people. He surrounds himself with the right people, and guess what? They bought into Brooklyn. Darren's there to play. Joe Johnson's there to play. I swear that team is playing some great, great basketball. And they made Chicago look like an AAU team. Right now, it's time for our segment that we just love to get to every week, and it goes a little bit something like this. Goon, 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 goon. Goon. of the week that's right it's our goon of the week and speaking of selling it all in brooklyn well it looks like besides for selling it all in brooklyn the rockies and mets are trying to sell out their game and this past week actually uh shovel in hand dick modford of the colorado rockies he's the owner uh, shoveling snow at Coors Field before the start of the doubleheader against the Mets, and including him was who, Fina? G- Mets GM Sandy Alderson and PR uh, Jay Horowitz. There, anyone that can get to get the game in. FYI, the game was still canceled. So the game was still canceled, although they just were dying to get the game in. Dick Montfort and the and the New York Mets organization, that front office, shoveling snow with the crews, trying to get it that that play that play ball signal. Uh, what they didn't end up getting. Didn't even get up. Yet. The effort doesn't go unnoticed. Right, but hey, but if they did get this game going, they wouldn't be heroes. They'd be heroes. They'd be heroes. You know, anything not in the front office, but on the field with the grounds crew. And whose fault would that be? I mean, you couldn't get enough guys you know to field uh you couldn't get enough ground screw guys to sweep i mean the snow? i would say it's the fault that it's always been and it's mother mother nature mother mother nature and hopefully mother mother nature is getting a little bit better here in michigan and as we move on this week andrew Iyer, alex shark here at the spartan sport trap anthony serafino or great fino to great, uh, to be here, great to have you Stay tuned uh, next week on the Spartan Sports App as we approach finals week here at Michigan State University. We'll get into more discussion regarding this MSU spring football ordeal and a little bit more about the wide receivers, which we really didn't get into today. And hopefully the Wings will make the playoffs and the Tigers will find out something to do with their pitching staff. But until next week, I'm Alex Shark, and to my left, I'm Fino. And we'll be back. Stay tuned next week. Same time, same place on Impact at 89FM. You've been listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Tune in every week for more of the greatest sports information, news, and analysis. Here and only here on Impact 89FM.